and grab your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, and we're going to be starting in verse number 6, starting in verse number 6. Go ahead and begin reading. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me, a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it may depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this evening, Lord. Lord, I just pray that your message would be clear, Lord, and that your word would have the power to speak, and that you would be glorified through this this message, Lord, and that your word would be lifted up and glorified, and we could leave here changed, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Excuse me. We are surrounded today by people who are convinced of their own greatness and are willing to tell you all about it. Okay? One per- I read this, I looked up quotes of greatness, and Muhammad Ali is supposed to have said, My only fault is that I don't realize how great I really am. He's, he's supposed to have said that. I couldn't verify it, but that's, that's something he's supposed to have said. My only fault is that I do not realize how great I really am. How many people do you know that are consumed with their own abilities, with their own greatness? You go down to the... I enjoy playing basketball sometimes. I'm not very good at it, but I enjoy it. It's good exercise. I go down to the local park sometime, and I play ball. And it doesn't matter which park you go to, you will always find at least one kid who promptly will inform you he is the greatest player that has ever played at that park. But you go to another park and there's another great player who's the greatest player in the neighborhood and there's a great, the greatest player in the neighborhood at every park you go to. It doesn't matter the sport. There's always someone there who is the greatest and willing to tell you about it. Hang around the quote unquote water water cooler, the proverbial water, water, excuse me, water cooler. There, we'll get it out one way or another. At work, the proverbial water cooler at work, and you will find someone who believes themselves so far above the rest of the field at work, and they are willing to tell you they are above the field, and they are overqualified for the work that they're doing. Go on Facebook. I don't have Facebook. I don't necessarily recommend having a Facebook account, but from what I heard, you go on Facebook, you're going to find people who are willing to tell you about all their great deeds and how great they are. But the promotion of self has no place in the church of God. The promotion of self, the promotion and lifting up of yourself, has no place in the church of God. 
And this is what Paul has been addressing in this great in the greater context. If we go back to verse number 17 in chapter 10, he says, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And what is happening in, in the city of Corinth, in the church there at Corinth, is they have begun to compare themselves among themselves, and they were lifting up themselves against each other. They were lifting up Paul or Apollos, like we talked about um, a couple weeks ago, how they were lifting up people, and they were lifting up themselves, and they were glorying, they were boasting in the things that God had done in their lives. God had done great things in the church. He had rescued them from sin. He had given, um, Paul said that the church at Corinth came behind no other church in gifts. There was gifted people in the church. But what they had begun to do was glory or to boast about the things that God had given them. They had begun to use the things that God had given them, the gifts, either or the money or the, or the um, whatever they wanted to put in there. They had begun to take that and lift that up as they were better than someone else, or because I have this gift, I'm at least as good as that person, and they have begun to glory in things that God had given them, or in their just physical abilities, which remember, every perfect gift cometh from above. God had given them great gifts, and they were taking it and glorying it and boasting against one another and lifting themselves up. And that is the context we come into when Paul's saying, if we're going to talk about glorying, hey, wait a second. You know, if I wanted to glory, I, I could blow you all out of the water. Now, that's not in the, that exact terminology is not in the text. But that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, if we want to glory, no man can glory more than myself. Paul's saying, you know, if I wanted to glory in the physical things, later in Philippians, he'd be talking about this. I believe it was. And he was saying, I count all this but dumb that I may win Christ. He'd taken all of his physical things that he had done before he was saved and he counted that as loss. But he also had the many things after he was saved. And that's what he's more talking about in this. He had abundant revelations. God had revealed things to him. Paul wrote so many of the epistles that make up our New Testament. And he had written scripture. So much of it. And Paul also had worked miracles. Paul had been suffered persecutions for Christ. He had seen God do many, many things in his life. And he's saying, if I wanted to glory in the things that God has done in my life, I could glory exceedingly. I could go above what you, what, what you guys can. But the promotion of self has no place in the church of God. Paul confronts this problem and he tells a little bit of his story. And he be, but he refuses to glory in his, he refuses to boast in his abilities or accomplishments. Rather, as we go, th- as we go through this text and enter this text, we see verse number six, we just go, th- um, it's kind of what we just went through. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. He's saying, I'm not going to, if I start to glory, I'm not going to be a fool because I'm just going to be telling the truth. I don't have to make things up to glory, but I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or he that heareth of me. And Paul's saying, I'm not going to glory because I don't want people to lift me up. In fact, we find out Paul was given a thorn in the flesh to prevent him being exalted above measure. 
And verse number seven, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. We already went over. Paul had a lot of things to glory about, but he refused to glory in his accomplishments to prevent people from elevating him. He was careful about what people saw and heard of him. He, was, he did not want people to think too highly of him. He wanted to people, and he was writing to Corinthian believers, don't glory in yourselves, don't glory in man, glory in the Lord. He did not want people to think too highly of him. And I just threw this in there. Do you think this would hurt his self-esteem? In our culture today, so much we lift up ourselves. We hear about self-esteem. You're going to hurt your self-esteem. And Paul is saying... I didn't want people to think too highly of me. I didn't want that because I can't glory in myself, because I can't lift up myself, because I am not the one to be lifted up. In fact, God gave Paul a thorn in the flesh to prevent him from being exalted above measure. This was something that God allowed in his life. God gave him a thorn in the flesh. There's been lots, you could read a comment, you could read ten different commentaries and you could hear as many different um, ideas of what maybe the thorn in the flesh was. Most people think it was his eyesight, but the Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say what the thorn in the flesh was. But we do know it was something that God allowed into Paul's life. And it was... It was something that was a hindrance to him. He goes on to say, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. It speaks, the, the idea of buffet is literally to punch, to hit, to um, just beat on. And Paul's saying, there was something that God allowed into my life that literally was beating me up. It could, have been, it could have been physical, it could have been spiritual, but God allowed something into his life that was to the point that he was saying, it is like someone, I am in a boxing ring, and I don't have any gloves on, I'm the punching bag, and somebody's just going at me. It's a messenger of Satan, and he's just going at me, and he's beating me up. And it's happening. And it's, it's not something that just happened one day, it was continuing to happen. And it is something that Paul was constantly dealing with. But it happened that Paul would not be exalted above measure. And I think many of us here today, while we, we can't think of something as severe as necessarily as Paul, we, we're not um, have abundance of revelations or anything, but God has worked in our lives. We've seen things, and I'm sure if we went around the room, we could talk about either things that have happened in our family, either financial problems that have to do with work, or have to do with finding a job, or whatever the situation is. Some of it has to do with friends. Some of it has to do with just living in the city and everyday life. I think we could talk about, find a lot of different scenarios in in the different people that are in the auditorium today that could classify as a thorn in the flesh. Something that God has allowed in your life and it just seems to be beating you down. And you seem just to be under the weather and you can't understand why this is going on and it's just something that is, could be crushing to your spiritual life. And Paul's saying, God allowed this in my life. 
And we could go on and on about what a thorn in the flesh was like. But let me tell you, if you've ever had a thorn in the flesh, if you've ever had a literal thorn stick in your flesh, you didn't have to have somebody explain to you what it felt like. You knew exactly what it was. And the same thing, I believe, would go spiritually. If any of your room have or are dealing with something that you could classify as a thorn in the flesh, you don't need me standing up here and saying, this is what a thorn in the flesh feels like. You're going to say... I got, I got that covered, what it feels like. I know exactly what you're talking about, um, Brother Andrew, there. It's, it's something that is just wearing me down. It is something that is just beating me up continually. I might classify it as a messenger of Satan. It's just something that is crushing me. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, someone who wrote so many scriptures in the Bible, somebody who is responsible for starting dozens and dozens of churches across the world and spreading the gospel to places where Christ had not been named yet. He considered that his ministry. He preached and he preached and he suffered persecutions. And yet he's saying, God allowed a thorn in the flesh to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. But he says, it was to prevent me from being exalted above measure. Paul knew he should not boast of himself or lift himself up. This whole section of the epistle he was writing on was confronting that very problem and condemning the Corinthians for their boastings and for lifting themselves up. But Paul had something that beat him every day to prevent Paul from being exalted. What did Paul do about it? It says Paul, Paul pleaded with God for this trial to be removed. Verse number 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me it says paul paul says i besought the lord for this he's like i had this problem god sent this problem into my life it was a thorn in my flesh it was satan's messenger buffeting me and i got on my knees and i began to plead with god i pleaded with god three separate times for god to remove this thorn from me it wasn't i just prayed Hey, God, it would be really nice if this thing would go away from me. No, this was something that Paul spent some time in fervent prayer, praying, God, I'm trying to serve you, and I don't know why I have this thorn in my flesh. I don't know why this health situation has come upon me, let's say. Or I don't know, whatever you can put in the blank if you, are, if you are experiencing a thorn in the flesh, I don't know why this job situation is coming on me. I don't know why these friends are saying this or my family is experiencing this hardship or health problems. I don't know why. And, I have, and Paul's saying, I spent serious time in prayer asking God to remove this from my life. It was something that was very important to Paul. He said, I, I besought the Lord. I besought the Lord three times. I, it was something Paul was used to praying. We read in all of his letters how Paul was praying always for the believers of that church. And he was praying for all the churches that he had been allowed to start all over the world. And he was praying for his friends and praying for Timothy and Titus and his sons in the ministry. And yet, this was so important, he stopped and he besought the Lord three times for him to remove this from us. From him. And we... And in our lives, we ask God, hey, Lord, I don't know why this is in my life. Would you please remove it? It is, it is just wearing me down. It is taking me down. I don't think I can serve you the way I should with this thing. Whatever the situation is, 
I believe it is hindering me from serving you. I don't believe Paul was saying, I just want this fixed because it is uncomfortable. Paul was saying, I believe that this thorn in the flesh is keeping me from serving you the way I should. That's why Paul was asking God to remove it. He wasn't interested in praying just for his own comfort. He was saying, I think this thing is actually hindering the ministry that I'm trying to do. And Paul was an apostle and he had worked miracles. You know, he, he had heard, he had had God speak through him and write scripture. Surely God would listen to Paul and say, oh, I didn't know it was that bad. I'll remove that from you. No, God knew exactly what was going on. God had placed it there on purpose. And when Paul came to him and he exercised himself in prayer and he prayed and said, God, would you please remove this from me? He prayed three times. God, would you please remove this trial, this thorn in the flesh, whatever the situation was. Will you please take this out of my life? And God told Paul, let's just read what God said in verse number nine. And he said unto me, this is God's answer to all of Paul's prayer and all of Paul's beseeching that God would remove this thorn in the flesh from him. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul, came, Paul was experiencing this thorn in the flesh. He was going through this struggle. He was going through Satan's messenger buffeting him and beating him. It was wearing him down. And he goes before the Lord and he prays and he beseeches God to remove it from him. And God answers him. And I think Paul was expecting God because he besought him three times. It wasn't like, okay, he was like, He was expecting God to remove this from him. And God told him, no. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. God said, my already present grace is more than sufficient for whatever trial you're going through. God didn't say, I will give you grace that will be sufficient for this. God said, my grace is sufficient for this. It isn't talking about Paul needed some extra special blessing poured out on him to be able to go through this thorn in the flesh. God was saying, I'm already here. I'm more than sufficient for whatever trial you're going through. It doesn't matter if it's job. It doesn't matter if it's family. It doesn't matter if it's health. It doesn't matter whatever your struggle is. God is saying, my grace that is already present, that is already there, is sufficient. You don't need anything else than my grace. It doesn't matter that Satan's messenger, it feels like Satan's messenger, is using you for his training bag. It doesn't matter. It isn't that I don't care. It is that the fact that my grace is already sufficient for you. I gave you grace and I saved you. And the grace that I am giving you is sufficient for whatever this trial that I have allowed in your life. And then he says, God says, my strength, my grace is sufficient for thee. You don't need anything else. Why? For my, stre- for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God is saying, my strength is complete, it's finished when you are weak. My strength is made perfect when you're weak. 
Paul. He's telling this to the Apostle Paul, someone that we all look up to, and oftentimes maybe we exalt too far, but he was definitely a man of God, an apostle, someone God used, someone that we can look at his life and say, that is someone God was using in an absolutely miraculous and powerful way. And yet God told the Apostle Paul that my strength, God's strength, was made perfect When Paul was weak. And I think so often, all of us, we have the tendency, we all do this whether we consciously think about it or not. We find ourselves boasting about our strengths and asking God to remove our weaknesses. We ask God to remove the trials from our life. And when God does something good, we boast about it and we lift, we lift ourselves up. I'm not saying everyone in here is guilty of that. I'm not saying you're guilty of that every time you talk. But what I am saying is we do have the natural tendency, we do have that in our lives, that we want to lift ourselves up, that we want to be proud of what even good things that God is doing in our lives. And then when God sends a hard time, when God sends that trial into our life, the first thing we do is we go to God and we ask Him to remove it from our lives. But God told Paul, when Paul came in and asked him to remove this thorn in the flesh from him three times, God told him, my grace is sufficient for thee, and my strength, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then Paul goes on. Did Paul go? That was God's answer to Paul's request. He said, God said, no, I'm not removing this from you because my grace is sufficient and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Did Paul just throw up his hands and quit? God told him three times, no. Did Paul say, I just can't handle this anymore? No, we find that Paul instead made his weaknesses and suffering for Christ's sake the object of his boasting. He said, I'm going to glory. Let's just read what it says. Most gladly, therefore, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What Paul's saying here is God told me no. I asked God to remove this thorn in the flesh from me. He said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient and my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, okay, what I'm going to make my glorying, what I'm going to boast about is the fact that I am weak. Is the fact that I am going through this struggle. It's not that I am making it through this struggle. I am dragging myself hand over hand through the struggle. That is not what Paul's saying at all. He's saying, I'm going to glory in the infirmity that God has placed on my life. I am going through this financial struggle that God has allowed in my life because I've been serving God. Not because I went out and was doing my own thing, but I've been serving God and God allowed this trial in my life. And Paul says, hallelujah. 
is what Paul says. He says, I'm going to gladly glory and I'm going to boast in the fact that God is allowing me to suffer infirmities. That I am, that I am weak. That I am weaker physically than I could be. That I feel I cannot serve God the way I want to because of what God has allowed in my life. But God says, no, I have placed that in your life for a reason. And Paul says, I'm going to glorify God for that. I'm going to make that the point of my boasting. I'm going to say, God has allowed this into my life. God has allowed this into my life for a purpose. And I'm going to praise God for what He has allowed into my life. Even though it is a thorn in my flesh. Even though I'm still experiencing the exact same suffering that I was experiencing before I prayed and asked God three times to remove it from me. God didn't remove it from him. He is still suffering from that same thing. But God told him, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says... I'm going to glory in the thing that I asked God to remove. That's what I'm going to make my glory in. It, let's go through verse, verse number 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. Can I tell you today that as a Christian in 2015, there is nothing you're going through that does not fit in that list. If you are going, if you are serving Christ and Christ has allowed a suffering something in your life, there is nothing that doesn't fit in the list that Paul just gave. And Paul said, I'm going to take pleasure in that. Whatever the struggle you're going through, you know what you should be? You should make that, you and I today, should make that what we're happy about. That sounds weird, doesn't it? That we should be happy about the struggles that God has allowed in our lives. But Paul could gladly glory. He could be excited about glorying in his infirmities and sufferings because it was in Paul's weakness that Christ's strength was made perfect. It is in our darkest moments and in our suffering as we're serving Christ and Christ allows those hard times, those hardships, those thorn, that thorn in the flesh, that buffeting from Satan, that trial we just don't understand. It is when we feel we are absolutely pummeled into nothing that we are just a pile there being stepped on that God's strength is made perfect. That God's strength in our lives is at its greatest. It's because we are out of the way is the biggest thing. Paul says, I will glory in that. My, my grace is sufficient for you is God's answer. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. You and I should gladly glory when God sends struggles and trials our way because it is when we are at our weakest moments. It is we think so often, like I said, we want to ask God to remove those struggles from us. But it is those struggles that make us weak that we realize, you know what? I can't do it. I, there's, I am physically unable to accomplish this. My finances will not allow me to give to missions. My family's health 
will not allow me to attend all the services I need to. I have to be there. Or my family's my family situation makes it so hard to witness to them. Whatever the trial is you're going through your life, you should thank God for that because it makes you weak. And when you are weak, when you and I are weak spiritually, is when God is strong because it was never about you and I being bodybuilder Christians. It was never about you and I being that super Christian that can go and win the world for Christ. Rather, it is when we are weak, He is strong. And when He is strong, things happen because He's doing it and not us. How often had we heard stories about people doing incredible feats of strength in emergencies, lifting whole cars off of loved ones, or carrying people twice their body weight out of the mountains so they could get medical attention. There's true stories, documented stories of this happening. Someone who was totally incapable of doing this in a regular scenario never could do it. But when the struggle came, when that climax and crisis came, they were able to, it's called often called hysterical strength. They were able to physically, in a physical world, move that car, move that person hundreds of yards or miles over rocky ground that we would say under ordinary conditions, is physically impossible. And God allows trials and struggles in our life to where we reach that point in crisis, not to where we take the car on ourselves and we begin to try to do it. No, God has to crush us and bring us down, lest we think we can do it. That's what Paul's saying. I received it lest I be exalted above measure. I keep, Paul's saying, I just can't be lifted up because then God isn't going to be able to work. And God allows the scenarios to come into our life so we reach that point in climax, that crisis, when we realize it's God's strength that does it. It is when we are weak, we truly can see God be strong. When we are weak is when God is strong. So whatever the trial, whatever the struggle you're going through, trust in the character of God that what He allows in our lives is for our good and for His glory. We must first trust in the character of God. That God is not going to put something on us that is going to make us unusable for Him. But rather, God is going to put something on us that is going to make us unusable to ourselves so that He can use us the way He wants to. Realize our strength, when we think we're strong, only gets in the way of the power of God. When we begin to compare ourselves and say, you know what, I think I'm pretty good at this. This is my gift that God has given me and I'm going to use it for His glory. That will not produce anything that God can receive the glory for. It is when we are weak that He is strong. Remember, God's grace is sufficient in the trial. You don't need some second blessing. You don't need some extra 
reality experience, whatever, however you want to put it. No, God has been there the entire time. His grace has been available the entire time. And His grace is sufficient for whatever the struggle you're going through. And it is when you are weak that God is strong. When you think you are at your best and you are capable of doing things for God is when you will see nothing accomplished. Instead, thank God for the trials He has brought in your life for the purpose of His strength being made perfect. When I was at Heartland, I had the privilege of traveling on the music group. In all three years, Brother Pearson was our sponsor. Some of you have met Brother Pearson. He's been here before. And he had this one illustration that he told all the time about when he was a little boy. He grew up in Indiana. He grew up and they had a garden, they had a farm. And his dad would go down the rows with the, with the plow, with the tiller, and he, would till out, and he would plow out the rows. And Brother Pearson's job was to come by after and hoe the um, ground up into the, um, the mounds that they would use to plant the vegetables they would grow in their garden. He was to hoe out the ground, break it up, and get the stones out. He had his little red wagon, and he would pull it in there and load the rocks out of the ground in his red wagon, and he would pull it out. That was his job. Well, one day he was in the garden, and he was hoeing, and he found a rock in the ground. He's like, okay, my job's to get it out, I'm going to get it out. And as he dug, the rock got bigger. Not really, he just found more of the rock. And by the time he had uncovered the entire rock and began to dig around the edges, it was a rock of a good size. And he was just a young boy. Meanwhile, his dad was a couple rows ahead of him and came parallel to him and stopped. He was wiping the perspiration from his face. He said, you going to get that rock out or not, son? I'm going to get it out, dad. I'm going to get it out. So he digs around. And he gets in and he grabs a hold of the rock. Boom! The rock goes back down. So, it's always better if you grunt. So he digs down a little bit and he gets down. Nope. Just starts to get it out of the hole. And it drops back down. His dad's been watching him the whole time. And he calls out to him and says, Son, if you'd use all your strength, you could get that rock out. If you'd use all your strength, you could get that rock out. I don't know why it's taking you so long. He's like, Dad, I'm trying with all my strength. He said, no, you're not. So he gets down and he, he tries it again. He can't move it. He just cannot get it out of the hole. His dad tells him one more time, Son, if you'd use all your strength, you could get that rock out. He says, I'm your dad. I've been standing here for ten minutes watching you. Try to get this rock out. And you never once asked me to help you get it out. And so often, we try to go through life struggles in our own strength. We try to do it and show our spiritual muscles. And God has to send a thorn in the flesh to bring us to our knees to where we realize that is in our strength, we are nothing. We are weak. We are incapable of doing anything for God. But in our weakness, 
we can see God do amazing things. Because when we are weak, then God is strong. And whatever the situation you're going through, remain weak. Don't try to muster up your courage and do it. Rather, simply obey what God has said in His Word and allow the Almighty God to finish the problem for you. He may not remove that thorn in the flesh. It may continue to the day you die. But let me tell you, God's grace is sufficient and His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come before You and I just thank You for Your Word, Lord. And I just pray that your word would have the power and would speak to our hearts tonight, Lord. And that we could just trust you, Lord, and allow you to do the work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need to come forward and pray or just pray in your seat.